Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dallas Christian College Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spees, the Director of Advancement here at DCC, and we're grateful that you have joined us as we begin a new series that we have titled One Faith, One Body, based on the book of Ephesians. Over the next three months, you're going to be hearing from six different students here from the college who are all part of Dr. Eddie Sanders' Preaching the New Testament class. And one of their assignments was to prepare for an episode of the DCC Leadership Podcast and share that with you, our listeners. Joining us today for our first episode is Caleb Garrett. Caleb, it's good to have you. Good to have you. You uh, did a series uh, podcast for us back in December, part of our Christmas Advent series, and so we're looking forward to hearing from you again. Caleb's also graduating and looking forward to the next season of his life as God continues to move him into a new season of ministry. But today he's going to be sharing with us from Ephesians chapter 1. And facilitating today's discussion is the chair of DCC's Bible Department, Dr. Mark Halen. So, Dr. Halen, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you kick off our One Faith, One Body series that's focused on Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Thank you, Scott, and it's good to have you uh, today for this episode, Caleb. Uh, Ephesians, uh, some New Testament scholars think that Ephesians was was written by Paul around the time of Pentecost. Uh, since it exalts the church, and and uh, this series will be aired in and around the time of Pentecost, so it's exciting to to have this series. And uh, tell us a little bit about where we're going. So, obviously, like Scott said, this was an assignment from our preaching the New Testament class, and we we were told it was a six part series, so. We were thinking, so what what should we do? We knew it needed to be something from the New Testament, but we were thinking, what should we do? And we came up with the idea, let's just do Ephesians. And so we're going to have six different students, uh, uh, and we're all going to take a different chapter. And I think it's going to be really interesting throughout these episodes, the different perspectives uh, that we're going to have. We're going to have anything from heavy theology to just dissecting Paul's words as uh, as you get to the later chapters on Christian living. I think the episodes are going to vary in just usefulness, and it's going to help the audience have another, another tool in their pocket for uh, living their life. So what, what common themes did you and the group see as you work through Ephesians that, that we're going to be working through? So, yeah, obviously this is a series. So we all wanted to find one unifying theme. And I think we came to the realization that it's unity in the church. Paul mentions it throughout the entire book. Obviously, when it was written, it wasn't in chapters. Paul didn't say, oh, let me start chapter 4 here. It, it was one book, so we're going to treat it like that. We're going to treat it like one continuous letter. And then we're going to push the idea of unity in the church found throughout all the chapters. And I think it's going to be interesting finding that theme throughout the different sections. And I think many people that you know have read the book of Ephesians might readily think of places like chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4 especially, but maybe not the outer rings of the book. So where do you see the theme of unity introduced, set forth within the opening chapter, Ephesians chapter 1? So yeah, obviously chapter 1 is 
Paul just kicking things off. It's him, obviously, his Greek introduction, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. But it, then he immediately kicks it off with his blessing. With his blessing, He kicks it off with a little bit of theology. And I think even verse 3 ha- is just packed with the idea of unity in it. Blessed be God the Father and Father, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place. So even the idea of the Trinity is just present here. And later on in chapter 1, we see the idea of the Holy Spirit that was promised to us. So the idea of the Trinity is all throughout this first section of chapter 1, and just the unity of them together. I think that is parallel to how the church should act, how all of us should act in one body, and we all have different roles. Yeah, it's fascinating in this opening chapter how we see Father, Son, and Spirit Mm -hmm. working together for a common purpose, and that common purpose is, is our salvation. And Paul, many times in the New Testament, multiple times in the New Testament, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 uses Trinitarian language Mm -hmm. as he's pursuing an objective of unity. So what else do do you—how else do you see this unity uh, theme playing out in in the first chapter? So the most obvious part is at the very end. But I think we can work our we can work our way there. But in verse five, where th- I, this idea of adoption, since the beginning of time, God has chosen us. He knew who was going to be in His church, and so He adopted us. So the idea of we're all one family, and uh, that comes through. Just think of the love of modern, like modern adoption, how much those parents, when they adopt the child, the love they're bringing in. I think it's the same, I think it's the same idea here that Jesus loved us so much that he brought us in, he brought us in. The, the, the pronouns in Ephesians 1 are mm-hmm. fascinating because we have in him, in him, mm-hmm. in him, in Christ, mm-hmm. and then there's we, us, we, us, and the casual reader maybe doesn't realize that that he's already drawing us in to big themes with we and us, because he's going to identify mm-hmm. who the we and the us are later in the book, but he's already told us who the we and us are uh, up, up earlier. We tend to ignore these greetings, you know, okay, that's just, you know, the address on the envelope you know we want to actually read the letter yeah but but it's important to to notice that he that he says that this book is he addresses the book to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus uh, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and and he's going to he's a, he's assuming a readership that are the faithful, that mm-hmm. are the saints, and then he's going to unpack mm-hmm. that who their common, their their not least common denominator, their most common yeah. denominator uh, through the rest of of the book. Mm-hmm. So, and Paul loves to open up themes in his books by the prayers that mm-hmm. he prays, 
And it's fascinating that the prayer that he prays is actually a praise psalm that talks about what God has done for us in Jesus Christ so that God is at the center, Christ is at the center of the unity as opposed mm-hmm. to us. Yeah. Because we are incapable of, of uh, creating that unity. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, um, the most common denominator, and I think I would like to point to verse 11 um, when you come to that. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. I think I think that's an important key to all of us have obtained that. It's not just one specific person that God chose. It's everybody. And I think since we all have that in common, we're, there's not just one favorite child. There's not just a select few. It's everybody. All of us are in an equal playing field. So I think that defines. I think that defines unity. The fact that all of us are in an even playing field. We all our inheritance is the same. Not there's not one special child who has a little bit more than everyone else. Everyone has the same gift, and I think that's important. Yeah, the 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 metaphor of inheritance is fascinating because a it connotes a plan because heirs become heirs because someone has written something mm-hmm. in a will. A plan has been made by some ancestor, some connection, somebody that has an intimate relationship with the heir. There's been a plan. Uh, it is. It is also significant. You know, we we think of these images from our cultural perspective, but if we place ourselves in the first century cultural perspective, especially for a guy Paul, who's a Jewish writer. In inheritance, the firstborn is in charge, is the executor of the will. And Jesus is our firstborn brother. Mm-hmm. And, and he is in charge that we get our share of the inheritance. Uh, the firstborn also got more than everyone else. And he has been exalted to the right hand of the throne yep. of God. But now the rest of us... Mm-hmm. He will distribute uh, the inheritance to us. Yeah. And then uh, going, like, with the idea of inheritance in verse 13 and 14, that that inheritance was a, was a mystery. And that, that idea is in verse 9, that making, making known to us the mystery of his will, and that, that mystery being known, that's our inheritance, like us— f- we finally figured it out. God finally revealed it to us. And that inher- that inheritance is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it was promised through the Holy Spirit, and through that we have our salvation. And I think that bring, tying up the idea of the Trinity, that God the Father is the one ahead of it all, Jesus the, fir- Jesus the firstborn, the executor, as you said, and the Holy Spirit is that inheritance. I think tying that all together, the unity of that, I think that, I think that's just awesome, just the way Paul wrote that. Yeah, he's the guarantee of our inheritance. The, the Greek word that's usually translated guarantee or something like that uh, is the Greek word erabon, which uh, dealt with a deposit, an assurance of something bigger. We might think in terms of a down payment, but an even better image is brought out by the fact that erabon today in modern Greek 
is used for an engagement ring. Mm. He is the signifier of the reality that has begun but has not yet come to its fullness. There's more greater yet to come mm. in the relationship. Yeah, I think just the idea of uh, that of an engagement ring like that eternal covenant being made i think that that's just an awesome parallel but uh obviously paul goes into another section here uh starting in verse 15 of just thanksgiving and prayer and he's really just talking to the people of ephesus here but i really want to highlight verse 21 at the very end far above all rule and authority power and dominion and above every other name, not only in this age, but also in one, the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So there it is. I mean, there, like, there's our whole theme right there. One, bo- one body, and it's united through Christ. Just this idea of... Christ is above it all, and the fact that we get to be under that, which is the unity, which is the body of Christ, is just it, it just blow, it just blows my mind how how it's all wrapped up in a ball at the end of chapter one here. Yeah, the the, the idea of allness, mm-hmm. oneness, and allness uh, is fascinating. Uh, and in that prayer, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Mm-hmm. You know, that he starts throwing out words that he's going to use in later chapters. And he will use many of those words like hope in connection with, with oneness. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Paul is being Paul here in the first chapter using uh, longer prayers than he usually uses yeah. in opening chapters. Longer prayers to to introduce big themes that he's going to have in his letter. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent. Awesome. What else did you have? Um, I mean, just again in that verse twenty one, twenty two block, just how it really segues perfectly into chapter two. Like it talks about Christ is seated above. And then we are below him, and we are one body. But why is that? Why are we that body? Why are we under him? I think this idea of reconciliation is going to be very heavy in chapter 2, and I'm excited to, for you all to discuss that next week. So I think just the idea of how it's all just wrapped up into one and how even though we're just starting, we're already seeing the unity of Christ being present. Right, and you both made an interesting observation about the use of the plural pronoun in the beginning of his letter where, you know, God chose us, he's predestined us, he's calling us, um, and and the idea is there to bring unity to all things at the end of chapter, uh, end of verse 10 there. And then he moves into his personal reflection. And you said an interesting phrase a minute ago, you said, "And, and God finally revealed himself to us i w- i would say that the better interpretation is that we finally understood what god did reveal yeah, to absolutely. us absolutely and i think that's when paul says i love what he says in verse 17 i keep asking that the god of our lord may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation mm-hmm. so that you may know him better yeah and and that's part of i think that mystery yeah. that you were talking mm-hmm. about is that 
Paul understood the mystery now, and now he's praying that that you, the saints in Ephesus, mm-hmm. will also understand yeah. this same mystery. And and your your segue into chapter two is great because I imagine, and and Dr. Halen, you know this as well from <laughs> the way the people reacted in Corinth and other places. There becomes this idea: oh, we've got something that other people don't have, and and we're a little more superior, or we're a little more knowledgeable. And I think when you get into chapter 2 and he starts reminding us, oh, no, this is not just for the Jews, it's also for the Gentiles, then then all of a sudden that begin, begins yeah. that idea. Of the family of God's a little bigger than maybe all of us were thinking, yeah. which, is, which is a really cool observation as well. Any last thoughts that you have on chapter 1, Dr. Halen? Well, again, I think it is, it is crucial that, that this unity letter begins with a focus on what God has done in Christ and in in the trinitarian prayer in chapter 1 the holy spirit is not is not evoked very many times well his time on the stage is later in yeah. the book but the focus is on what they have done mm-hmm. we are one because of what they have done not because of anything that we will ever do. Excellent. Are we one? Yeah. Any last thoughts, Caleb? I think that I think that's it. Um, I think I wrapped up my section. I think it's time for my classmates to take over. Good. Well, thank you for introducing this. And what I'm I'm going to put you on the spot because we didn't even talk about this, but I think this is a, a good way for us to end each of these series and and episodes. Would you pray for our listeners and yeah, just pray absolutely. that God would. Uh, reveal what God needs to reveal to them and just say a prayer and uh, I'll let you close out this episode with that Father God you are good we love you we thank you we thank you for the book of Ephesians we thank you for the letter Paul wrote and we thank you for the mystery that was revealed we thank you for the greatest secret ever kept is now revealed to us and we know it and I pray if that mystery it's still unknown to people, any listeners out there, that you will reveal it to them and that they will dive into your word and through others they will discover what you have for them. They will discover your will and they will discover what your body does as one. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Caleb. Congratulations on finishing your academic career here and we pray God's blessing on whatever his plans are for the next season in your life. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us for this episode, the first episode in our One Faith, One Body series focused on the book of Ephesians. In a couple of weeks, we'll be looking at Ephesians chapter 2. But until then, pray that you stay safe, take care, God bless, and have a great day.